Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. I can tell you right now, 24 and 25, going to be a little choppy. If you're waiting for interest rates to drop and change the world, don't count on it. Maybe it happens towards the end of the year, and if it does, it's going to be small. It's not going to change the needle one way or the other, but what is going to change the needle is when these loans start maturing. Welcome to the Best Ever Show, the world's longest-running daily commercial real estate podcast. Our hosts interview commercial real estate experts every day to get you the best advice ever with none of the fluffy stuff. Best Ever listeners, welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever Show. I am your host, Joe Cornwell, and today I am joined by Darren Davis. Darren is the owner of Club Capital, a real estate syndication company, and he is here to talk to us today about a few different topics related to syndication and the market. Darren, thank you so much for joining us again. Uh, thanks, Joe. Glad to be back. I'm really looking forward to talking to the audience today about some really timely opportunities. Very good. And I appreciate you joining us again. I know you're on the show back in October and we talked a little bit about your background, but for anyone who may have missed it, give us a summary on your background and how you initially got into real estate. Yeah, I'm probably like a lot of people that are listening to this show back in the late nineties, I just was looking for something different and I landed in real estate and then I landed in residential commercial. And here I am today, 20 something years later. And for the better part of the last 15 years, we've been doing syndications, family and friends, and then grown the business. And we've gone through the 2008, 9, 10 cycle. So we learned a lot on that one. And we'll actually talk a little bit about that. But this has been in my blood and my DNA for the last 15, almost 20 years now. And we're based here in Austin, Texas, which I feel grateful that we're in one of the best markets for housing and jobs and everything associated with that. Yeah, I always find it interesting to talk to people who have seen a couple market cycles. I feel like the vast majority of investors today and the people that I see in my network and on the show have joined post-2008. So they got in the business after the last recession. So it's always interesting to get perspectives on people that have been around and seen a thing or two, so to speak. So I know today we are planning on talking about the preferred equity model. That's something I don't know a ton about. So why don't you give us just a brief overview of what that even means, and then we can dive into it. Yeah, I'll kind of define it and tell you where the opportunity is for all of us right now. 
So, like you said, most people that are probably listening to this show or the people that you've been associated with the last 12, 15 years, you guys saw a market that was bank debt, which is senior debt, and you saw common equity. And those two together would put together a deal, whether you're buying and rehabbing or whether you're doing development, but that was real traditional. Go back to 2006, seven, and eight, when capital markets were in a complete mess. Banks were just literally shutting the doors on any new lending. Well, developers had to find a way to fund those deals. So I was introduced 15 years ago to preferred equity. And what that is, it's a slice of capital that goes above your senior debt. So it goes like a second mortgage in a second position, but it's a priority to the common equity in there. So the preferred equity gets a fixed rate of return. It gets a time frame and it gets priority over the common equity. So you get that safety net behind you. Now, why is that happening today? Well, several things. The way the market is, interest rates have gone up, leverage has gone down, values have gone down. So your bank debt is down in the 50, 55, 60% today. Well, you've got to fill that gap. So you've got to go back to your common equity and say, hey, we're doing a capital call. And you're going to get 20% say, okay, 40% say, I'd prefer not to. And the rest of them are saying, no, you do it. Being the sponsor, well, the sponsors may not be able to capitalize three, four, five, six million dollars. Therefore, they come to groups like us who have been predominantly common equity, but they'll come to groups like us and say, could you guys put in a, a slice of 4 million, 5 million, 8 million to fill this gap for a short period of time until we can weather this storm or just buy time? Because a lot of these guys took out loans three years ago, and these loans were floating at three and a half, four percent. Now those loans are floating at eight, eight and a half percent. Big gap there in that interest reserve. That's just one example of why PREF equity is needed today, and it's really buying time and preservation of capital for the common equity. Okay. So my first question is, is this a debt model, meaning the people who are investing in this and then placing the funds in the deal. And it sounds like this is what your company does and how you're placing investments into deals. Is that considered a debt that has some sort of recourse or is it actually like a normal investment where you have the risk of the deal itself? That's a really good question because it looks like debt, but it's not. Okay. So how this works, and that's why it's called equity, it's preferred. And I'll give you a couple of examples of some things that happen on the back end. One, we have to get an inter-creditor agreement, and that's nothing more than the bank has to know we're coming in and the common equity has to know we're coming in so that we are a known entity coming into the deal. Okay. Okay. We don't have a lien on the property because the senior debt does not want to have any other liens associated with the property. So it is equity, and you didn't ask, but this always gets asked, well, how does it treat taxes? Well, it is equity and we're not owning the asset. So this immediate income that you're getting, because these things cash flow day one, you're generating cash day one, you are treated as just normal income. That is a difference. So you get a fixed rate of return, you get paid quarterly. There's a time frame on it, much shorter than common equity most of the time. And that's some of the things you give up for possibly some tax advantages and the upside that common equity could possibly give you in today's market, not probable. Okay. So what are the typical timeframes on something like this versus a regular syndication or fund? 
Well, for our model, we've been funding developers for the last decade. And now that the development is just about stopped, we've had a 70% less applications for new apartment construction in central Texas, where I live, year over year. Now, granted, we were pretty high in 21, 22, but we're pretty low right now. So common equity deals are typically four to seven years because you've got to build it, stabilize it, and then you're either going to hold it and do that refi and do a cash out and then probably sell it, or you're going to be a more like a merchant builder. You're going to build it, stabilize it, sell it. And that's four to seven years. What we're coming in is construction has already started, possibly leasing has already started. So we're really looking at that two to three, maybe four year period. So I can't really see any of these going outside of three and a half, four years. Most of them are going to be in that two and a half to three year range. Okay. And here's something to assure that we are coterminous with the senior debt. So when it's time to take the senior debt out through either a sale, a refi, a recapitalization, whatever it is, we're out at that time. So it's contracted as far as when we exit the project. Okay. So I think I have an overview of it. So walk me through an example, just so I can put some real numbers to this. Let's say I was to invest in your fund or your company, and I wanted to be involved in one of these deals. And let's just say I gave you a hundred thousand dollar investment. What would that look like? How am I going to see those returns? I know you said it was paid quarterly, but give me an actual real life example. Yeah. I'll tell you one that we are working on right now. This would be a fairly traditional in the fairway type deal. So the sponsor needs a set amount of money and we're making them escrow a certain amount of interest up front. That's protection number one that we do. Okay. So that money comes in and that allows us to start making payments on that interest on a quarterly basis. So that's one thing that we do on that. What you'll see happen is you'll hear a phrase, and I don't want to get too technical on this, but it's pretty easy to understand, current pay and deferred pay. You're going to find that current pay will be money that you'll get paid quarterly, and then deferred pay will be the piece that accrues that gets paid at exit. So say we have a 12% pay to the investors, 6% will get paid quarterly. The other six is accruing and paid out at the time of exit. So it's not a full 12% day one. You'll be getting six. Some of them will be seven, but it's split 50-50. And those will typically be paid quarterly and be paid all the way throughout exit whenever that exit event happens. All right. So as an investor, if I'm looking at this, correct me anywhere I'm wrong here, but it sounds like this is a type of investment that's going to offer an elevated return over something more traditional like stock market or obviously doing like even debt or private lending, but it's going to be more risk adjusted because it's going to have preferential treatment over, as you mentioned, like a common investor, like an LP investor in a typical syndication. So with that in mind, if a deal were to go sideways, let's say, which obviously we know some of these have gone sideways over the last couple of years, you're going to have a layer of protection over the LP investors. But the offset to that is with the mitigated risk is that you're not going to share in as much of the upside on potential equity. And you're also not going to have some of the tax benefits of like, let's say accelerated depreciation or something as a typical LP would. Is that all correct? Yeah, you can. And I'll tell you where the sweet spot is here. And this may take me a couple of minutes to really tell the story. So, 
In today's market, if you were looking at a common equity investment and a preferred equity investment, they're different in the capital stack. Okay, we've determined that. So the preferred equity is a senior to the common equity. Today's underwriting, if it even pencils out, the IRR is around 10, 11, 12%, not great. Okay, you've got all the issues we talked about earlier with leverage and debt and interest and all that. So you look at this and you go, okay, if I still want to be earning a good rate of return in a secure position, where would I go? Well, I will probably go to the preferred equity because of a, just a couple of basic investing 101 decisions. One, I'm in a senior possession, the common equity. Two, I'm going to make a assured return, and it's probably going to be 10 to 20% higher in today's market than common equity. Now, here's the difference that I want to point out is this is not a one and done, all right? If we go in and you talk about risk and how do we look at these, but when we look at a deal, we underwrite it just like we would acquire it. So we're underwriting it to say we would buy it because here's what we're doing. We're underwriting and lending or providing equity for assets that we would want to own in areas that we occupy and areas that we work. So I'm not in Austin, Texas, coming to your hometown of Cincinnati because I don't have any resources, any reason to be up there. We are in Austin, Dallas, Fort Worth, San Antonio, Houston, and Florida. Okay. We have a couple of good relationships in Florida. So in the event something does go wrong, and this is a real simple analogy here, on a deal that we're working on right now, the actual cost per unit for that completed asset is about $250,000 a door. If the deal went sideways and we were to take it over because we have in our agreement, we have a cure period with the lender. They acknowledge that we want to take it over. And believe me, the lender doesn't want to take it back. They want to give it to us. But at that cure period, should we take it over, we, in theory, could wipe out the common equity. Not here to do that, but it could happen. And we would pick that asset up. Now, the difference in cost, 250 with the whole capital stack of preferred equity, common equity, and senior debt, 175 a door should the common equity get wiped out. I'll own that asset all day, every day at that discount from 250 a door to 175 a door. So we look at them and one will happen. For every 10 that we do, we'll end up owning one. And that's a good thing for us. If we own four or five, it could be a better thing. But Texas is not a, quote, distressed market but it's gonna be a discounted market for the next couple of years. So we're gonna find some really good assets. Now, I really wanna point out something between an investor that's just focused on the pref equity model and what some of my, I guess, more tenured investors look at as well. If you think about this, I'm getting into a real estate asset in a market that has a lot of runway to grow still. If we get in there and we can see the performance of that asset, we can see how the property management reacts. We get all the numbers, all the reporting. I kind of look at this as going, I'm being paid to analyze your asset because when it comes time for you to sell that, I've got everything. And I'm going to come to you as the owner and say, I'll make you this offer based off these numbers. We can avoid you spending six, nine months trying to sell this, all the other costs and expenses associated with selling. And we may be able to pick up these assets, like I said, that are below replacement cost. Gotcha. So I get a bird's eye view. I'm right into the guts and the center of that deal. And I'll be able to tell you, I like it or I don't. So we've kind of got this little Trojan horse 
method that we'd like to come in. And if none of them happen, great. We still made 10, 11, 12% of our investors. But if one or two of them happen, we probably hit a home run. And I want to go back to something you said earlier about a lot of your guys weren't probably there in 2008, 9, and 10, didn't experience that. I don't know that we'll see the hockey stick effect in like 2011 and 12 and to 18 or 19 that we saw back then. But I regret not buying more assets 10 years ago. Totally regret it. That's not going to happen to me this time. I can tell you right now, 24 and 25 is going to be a little choppy. If you're waiting for interest rates to drop and change the world, don't count on it. Maybe it happens towards the end of the year. And if it does, it's going to be small. It's not going to change the needle one way or the other. But what is going to change the needle is when these loans start maturing. And that starts the back half of this year on commercial real estate multifamily. And I just looked this up to get current numbers, but the loans that are maturing just in this year, and 50 billion in just multifamily, another 40 billion next year. So there's gonna be some opportunity. So that's why we like what we're doing because we're actually helping developers. We're getting a bird's eye view of what the asset looks like. And then should that opportunity happen, we're going to be acquiring in back half of maybe this year, but primarily 25 and 26. And then we're going to hit our hockey stick. And so is everybody else that knows what they're doing in that space. We'll get back to the show with first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. A 1031 exchange is one of the greatest tools to build your real estate portfolio. But before you sell your next investment property, if you want to save thousands in capital gains taxes, please give our friends at 1031 Pros a call. Whether you're an individual investor, title company, or real estate agent, 1031 Pros is ready to help you or your clients with their 1031 exchange needs. With over 30 years of experience, 1031 Pros specializes in various types of exchanges like delayed, simultaneous, reverse, and improvement exchanges in all 50 states, all while ensuring your transaction is fast, reliable, transparent, and secure. 1031 Pros has handled over 20,000 audit-free exchanges, and right now, best ever listeners can get $250 off any exchange by visiting my1031pros.com slash best ever. That's my1031pros.com slash best ever to get $250 off today. Have you heard that Mint, the popular personal finance app, is shutting down? If you use Mint, that's bad news. The good news is that there is an even better alternative, Monarch Money. Monarch gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with others. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash best ever. Most personal finance apps are clunky and cluttered with ads. Monarch is different. Its intuitive design makes setup, customization, and everyday use simple and easy. Monarch is also the most customizable budgeting app available. You can change your dashboard layout, create custom budgets and notifications, and even invite your partner, accountant, or financial advisor to have a joint view of your finances at no extra cost. Once you try Monarch for yourself, you'll understand why it was named 2024's best budgeting app by the Wall Street Journal. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash best ever. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H money.com slash best ever for your extended 30-day free trial. Yeah, I really like that the model of having that inroad, so to speak, into these deals who may or may not be performing as expected, but you then have that first opportunity to try to pick these deals up if the initial sponsor decides to sell it. Really interesting strategy that I have not heard anyone else doing. Well, I hope that we can 
get as many pref equity deals. We already have five of them lined up for the first half of this year. First one just launched. We've got a second one coming out next month. Again, all in markets that we want to play ball in. We're not going out to Michigan or New York or Pennsylvania. We're sticking right in our backyard of Texas and, and Florida. Yeah, that was my next question. What do you like about those markets and why are you predominantly investing in those two? Well, if you look at migration, especially domestic migration, Texas won Florida two. In 2023, out of the top 10, those two states accounted for 63% of the domestic migration. It's huge. And it's not slowing down. And it's not rocket science. It's taxes. It's quality of life. It's weather. It's jobs. And there's 10 reasons why people want to come to Texas and Florida, but maybe only three of them are specific to them. Gosh, I think we just crossed, I think it's 53 Fortune 500s in Texas now. That's big. It's over 10% just right here. And then we had another, I want to say 40 something large corporate headquarters relocate here last year to Texas. Now, granted, Texas is big. Dallas Fort Worth is a state in its own. And so is Houston and Austin almost is now. And I think San Antonio is number 10 in population. So we've got four really large metros, but we have an economical juggernaut. And that's why I say I'm really lucky to be here. And I think that those two states will provide and prove to be the best opportunities with that domestic migration that I was talking about. Because our population growth isn't really growing that much. It's the migration. Now, with the data you have on the domestic migration, does that account for any illegal immigration? That's a good question. That does not account for the 10 million people that have come through Texas in the last three years. No. That was kind of the point is I work in the construction business, so I'm fairly familiar with a lot of the illegal immigration that, that happens and, and how it happens and things like that. But with that being said, a lot of that starts in Texas, Florida, and obviously the southern states. And not to get political, but if you're a real estate investor, certainly in those markets, having that extreme migration is probably a net benefit for the housing demand, so to speak. And I was just curious what your thoughts were on that specifically affecting migration in those two states. I will tell you this, and not to get political at all, but we need migration. We absolutely need it. And you and I cross over in the real estate construction space because we help developers build. We need more migration. We need it legally, however that ends up being. But I know I am personally very welcoming of migration into the U.S., and especially Texas. It drives housing, jobs, is part of our economy. It's not going anywhere. So however we end up solving that question or answer or problem, whatever it may be, I am pro-migration. Yeah. And I can say from the construction side of it that at least here in my market, Southwest Ohio, our trade businesses, the construction business in general, absolutely would not function without illegal immigration that's occurred the last 10, 20 years. Because as we all know, the way the trades are trending here in the U.S. for U.S.-born citizens is completely away from the trades. And I don't think our country would be able to function in the next 10, 20 years without that illegal immigration. And obviously, in a perfect world, I'd love for it to be legal and then to fix it somehow. But yeah, I agree with you completely on that. You're spot on. We're in sync on that one. Very good. Well, I know you mentioned previously that you had attended the Best Ever Conference last year. And this coming April, we have our next 2024 Best Ever Conference coming up. Are you going to be there for that one? Yeah, I think I took the early bird special. I think I signed up two or three months ago. It was my first one last year, but I was really impressed with the content. 
I think it's really good for people that are just getting into the space. There's so much learning opportunities. It's very entertaining, exciting. There's a bunch of young, hungry people that are wanting to learn, which I enjoy. I really enjoyed seeing the minds of Mush growing as they're listening to the speaker. So I would encourage anybody if they have an opportunity to go. It's a great event and it was well attended last year. And I think it'll be even better attended this year. This is my first year going. And obviously as a new host on the show, I get to attend and I'm very grateful for that. The one thing I'll say just in general about any conference, particularly best ever, is that the learning opportunities are great. And that's obviously a huge draw for many people. But for me and my experience, the networking has been the greatest opportunity. I have met people through these networking events that have become lifelong friends, business partners, investors, you name it, there's an opportunity there with the networking. So I hope I will see all of our listeners there at the best ever conference this year. And uh, I think the last conversation I had with our best ever conference, people that put it together, they're still doing a 15% discount. You can use the code connect on the best ever conference website. And if you have not bought your ticket yet, be sure to sign up. All right. Anything else you want to add on the preferred equity? No, we're good. All right. Well, you ready to transition to the best ever lightning round? Yep. Let's go. All right. Give me your best ever book recommendation. Well, I'm going to turn that question slightly so I can give you the answer that I want to give you. I don't know if you're a big Tony Robbins fan, but he's an interesting guy and he'll make crowds listen. I read a book of his, I want to say six, seven years ago called the Holy Grail of Investing. And I thought, you know what? This guy kind of knows what he's doing. I'm sure he had some friends and ghost writers and some consultants helping, but I thought he did a really good job, especially for people that are new in the private equity world, real estate and insurance, things that are alternative. The new book is Holy Grail of Investing. Sorry. The one that from six, seven years ago was Master the Game. Okay. So that's the one that I was talking about. So the one that's coming out now, and I'm giving him a, a pitch here, no big deal, but a colleague of mine is friends with him, and we're on a Zoom call next week with him, and we get to ask him anything. And I'm really interested to ask him more direct questions unfiltered. So I'm going to get that book, and if nothing else, I'm going to get the audio book and listen to it. But the one thing I like that I heard him talk about prior to the launch. He talked about the opportunities that are available today that were not even possible for people like you and me 20 years ago and where private equity is going. He spends a lot of time on real estate, but you look at the numbers and the opportunities and where the really big wealth is being built, it's in private equity and it's at all different levels. So we actually have entry level private equity all the way up to stuff you and I'll never probably touch. But I'm real excited to see about that. And I think I'm going to do the book before the Zoom call so I can ask the right questions on there. But I'm going to report back to you. I'll put it on my website to review with a Q&A. But I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, it's very interesting. Okay, give me best ever way you like to give back. The give back is really straightforward for me. And it's always been in me, but I'm now executing on it. I'll give a little quick story. I grew up in a family that we never could afford anything. I'd ask my mom and dad and my grandparents, we can't afford that, we can't afford that, we can't afford that drove me nuts. Okay. I was like, well, how do we afford that? And I think this whole thing about education is paramount. Now, what I've really wanted to do, and I started doing it, but now I'm actually doing it. I have established a nonprofit and in that nonprofit is going to be education for young adults, financial literacy, financial education, the stuff they're not being taught in high school and college that allows them to understand what people are talking about when it comes to the language of finance. 
just understanding the definitions. If you can start there. So you'll see something from us. It's called the Never Quit Initiative, but you'll see something from us. We launched it last year. We're working on the content, but it's going to be education for children, financial education. And I'll tell you why I'm so passionate about it. Medical expenses are the number one reason for bankruptcy. And if you get hit in your family with something you weren't expecting and you get wiped out because you didn't have a plan B or another source of income or passive income or cash flow, whatever it may be, it can be devastating. And it's happening to people every day. And if you never use it for medical expenses, guess what? You're way ahead of the game. But just keeping people out of that financial stress and out of potential bankruptcy when it comes to the medical part of it, it's something I'm really in tune with. Yeah, I can relate to that. I like to speak to some of the local high schools here about financial literacy. They're finally starting to offer some of that education that didn't exist when I was in school. And that's a passion of mine as well as talking to young adults or older teenagers and helping them on their initial financial literacy journey. We'll be putting a course together that walks them through. So it looks like it's going to be 12 chapters. And really, it's, we're going to start with fundamentals because you've got to learn just the basics before you can even take that next step. But if I can reach 100,000 kids in the next 10 years, I'd be a happy man. Give me a mistake you made in one of your investments and the lesson you learned from it. Oh, boy. I got a pile full of those. But first of all, I'll tell you, I'm glad I made every mistake that I made because it put a little scar on me every single time. The one that I would tell people to really focus in on is the sponsor, the sponsor's track record, um, and understanding who you're doing business with is super important. When you're starting out and every pro form is a home run, every deal is going to triple your money, blah, 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 blah. That's not the real world. So. I think the mistake I made early on was not vetting my sponsors strong enough and not understanding the numbers as well. Coming back to financial literacy, because boy, these pro formas were beautiful and I was going to retire at the age of 45. It was going to happen, period. It was a home run. So that would be the one thing that I would say. I didn't do a good enough job in my first five, six, seven years really vetting sponsors well enough. Yeah, I completely understand that one as well. So... Tell us a little bit more about where the audience can learn about your business, connect with you. We are clubcapital.co.co. That is our website. Where I'd like people to go if they're interested in learning about the preferred equity, we put together a preferred equity 101, gives you some of the terms and the definitions, gives you a sample. Actually, it's a real world deal, but it's really a great sample of what you could expect from all of them. You're not going to change the pref equity model that much. Yeah, it'll have a 10% variable one way or the other. But if you go to clubcapital.co forward slash best ever, there's going to be the ability to get our newsletter, the preferred equity 101, an actual deal. I call it a tombstone. It's two pages front and back and kind of says, here's the facts. But it'll show you what the returns look like, the terms look like, all that. But that's going to be the quickest, fastest, easiest way to get us is clubcapital.co forward slash best ever. I like the tombstone analogy there. That's a funny take on it, but we'll be sure to link to that in the show notes as well. Darren, thank you so much for joining us again. I learned a lot about the preferred equity. This was something I was completely unfamiliar with. So I appreciate you sharing it with us and joining us here today. Great. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate it. Best ever listeners, thank you so much for turning in. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to leave us a five-star review, share this episode with a friend. 
and make sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss anything. Thank you and have a best ever day. Hi, best ever listeners. Joe Fairless here again. And one last thing before you go, would you like to receive a short weekly email with proven tips from experienced investors, free tools and resources, and a roundup of the week's most relevant news and best ever content? Well, if so, join the community of nearly 15,000 commercial real estate passive and active investors who receive the best ever newsletter. Just go to bestevercre.com forward slash access and you'll get the very next one. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And as always, thank you for listening and have a best ever day.